sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hour number three of Green and Growing. I am glad you're here. Welcome to your Saturday morning. Of course, it's starting to lighten up outside and warming up ever so slightly. I, my thermometer must be broken. It says 45, then it says 48, so I don't know. It's almost... 50 degrees, so it's going to warm up today. It's going to be a nice day and kind of overcast. So if you have some uh, tough tasks to do outside, I suggest you do them today. And a chance of rain comes back on Monday. And I want you to be part of the show, too. 404 I hope that many of you find, I try to anyways, have a good balance of interviews and guest experts on the show who know much more about their specific topics than I do. That's why I have conversations with them, but also a good mix of calls, of course, and answering what questions I can for all of you and just a good conversation back and forth. Um, I don't know all the answers, but I, I can usually find someone who does. So try to give us a call on Green and Growing. And by the way, if you haven't already, um, I'm on Facebook. The The show's Facebook page is Green and Growing WSB. So give that a like or a follow. I try to engage and post things that I'm seeing or things that are coming up on the show or even resources for you, definitely. Um, we've talked about Georgia Arbor Day recently, so I had some links up there, ways to get involved. Uh, the Great Backyard Bird Count was such a fun topic at the beginning of the month. So resources for birding, whether you're trying to identify birds by just the way they look or their colors or even their sounds, too. I shared some pretty cool websites where you can go and uh, – you know, if you don't know what a cardinal sounds like, you don't know what a blue jay sounds like. And that reminds me, too, my mom sent me a funny text message about a week ago, and she's got a cat that goes out on the back deck and, you know, tries to terrorize the birds. Um, but there were these two birds. I think one was a nuthatch. I don't remember what the other one was. She's like, it's like they're frozen. They're literally frozen on the deck under the the railings. She's like, they're not moving. And I, I wonder what's going on with them. So we did a little bit of research, and we came up with uh, – Something that oftentimes they will. Birds will pretend to just be frozen and stay very, very still if they sense a predator nearby. Now, I don't think that's probably a good idea for a cat, you know, as a predator. They should probably try to fly away. But maybe like a hawk or something else that they think is after them. Um, that was really just fascinating. I never really realized that. And uh, two days ago, when I was coming into my neighborhood, I noticed a cardinal, obviously bright red, in the middle of the street. And I drove by him and he did not move. He was standing up. He was alive, but he did not move when the car drove by. So I turned around, you know, in someone's driveway, kind of came back the other way and went and got him from the middle of the road. And he fluttered a little bit like I startled him, but I carried him over to the pine straw and just set him on the pine straw, hoping to keep him safe. I'm not sure if he was, I was thinking he was sick. Um, there's been a salmonella outbreak amongst pine siskins. That's this whole big deal on the West Coast and they're migrating this way and they're crazy here right now but they won't stick around for very long but at first I just thought well yeah maybe he's sick um, and he was kind of holding one foot up but then I got to thinking I don't know if he was doing that frozen thing and kind of staying still because a hawk or something was overhead but in the middle of the road probably was not the best thing for him so I felt really good that made my day just moving him and safely you know picking him up and transplanting him to another place and that's the second bird I've held recently another one was a pine siskin about two weeks ago, and, and I do think he had the salmonella 
um, sickness. I mean, I, he, he looked disheveled, like some of the pictures online that I've seen, a healthy one versus one that's sick. Um, but I was able to hold him and pet him and feed him out of my hand. It was really, really neat. So you never know what you're going to see when you pay attention to nature. All right, time to get to calls. Up first, Peg in Atlanta. Hey, Peg, welcome to the show. Hi, Ashley. Hi. How's it going? Oh, it's going real good. Having a it good time. It sounds Saturday. like you're having a great time with those birds. I had that hawk in my yard. Oh, boy, they're uh, scary. But, but what I called about was my holly. Okay. Uh, I was out there um, pruning it, of course. And it had dirt all over it on both sides of the leaves. And I would put take, take a piece off that I was uh, pruning, and I would look at it, and it had dirt on the back, and it had dirt on the front. And I washed some of it off, I thought, but I'm looking at it now that it's dry, and I just really don't know what it was unless it was that big rain we had and that alligator pit that was below it. And it truly was... Dirt, like brown, Georgia red clay. It wasn't black, I, sooty I, mold, was it? I, I smelled it. I, ta- I didn't taste it, but it smelled like dirt. It didn't smell like Georgia red clay, though. It smelled more like uh, uh, a loam or a... Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it just... It could have been. It could have been um, some splashback from all the rains, or even if you have birds nesting in the hollies, you know, somehow maybe they're tracking mud and stuff into the bushes. Do you have any kind of mulch underneath, pine straw or literal mulch or anything uh, like no, that? No, we got grass underneath, and I, I guess I thought it must have been a mud pit with all them alligators. Uh, it, it was up <laughs> to it halfway up halfway up the holly bush and alligators, but, you know, just like uh, the... The, the ex-prince said about his child, his first word was alligators. Oh, goodness. Wow. And well, you know what that means, don't you? I do not. They're not coming back this way. They're staying over there. Okay. All they're right. gonna. They're not going back to Florida. He's had enough with the alligators. Who hasn't had enough of Florida man with Florida man headlines? That some crazy stuff comes out of Florida, but some beautiful stuff comes out of Florida too. So, Peg, before I even took your call, and Demarco just said, you know, her hollies look dirty. That's the way she described it. That really did bring up a good point in my mind, though. So I'm glad you called about that because I was thinking. Sooty mold. A lot of us are going to start seeing that when things leaf out, where there's literal black you know, kind of dotted, I mean, soot. That's what it looks like. So that's from scale insects when they start to infest your plants, which, of course, we're going to have that here in the warmer months. Um, and we always want to avoid scale on on everything, on all of our shrubs and our, our flowering shrubs and things like that. So I'm glad Peg reminded me of that because a well-timed and a thorough spray of a horticultural oil during the dormant season, which is now, goes ahead and smothers some insects that have overwintered or maybe their eggs and things like that before they get to be active, you know, in spring and early summer. So um, even if that's not what not what you've got, Peg, I'm glad I was able to kind of remind some people, get ahead of it with that horticultural oil uh, spraying during a dormant season. You're off to a good start for the year. I'm really glad you called. We'll talk again soon for sure. And he's been very patient calling out of Forsyth County. It's Craig. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Right now I'm green and growing as well. Um, in the uh, early fall, I had Bermuda grass and sowed my grass with winter rye. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my winter rye is dying off in June, the problem I've been seeing is either goose grass in the grass. So how do I combat 
the grasses in the summertime without actually killing my winter rye before it dies back to stay ahead of the goose grasses or some of those other hard herbicides. I know if I add anything now, I may kill the rye grass that I currently have. Well, you know what's good about the conversation that Clint Waltz and I just had um, about the pre-emergence herbicide is that's going to that's gonna go after seeds as they germinate, weed seeds as they germinate. So it's not going to be effective on anything that's already sprouted and that's already growing. So right now, the goosegrass and the crabgrass, those seeds are just waiting for a little bit warmer temperature to start germinating. And that kind of keys in right as the germination process starts. That keys in on when a pre-emergent herbicide is going to go to work and become active. So I think that's probably what you need to do, Craig, for sure. It's going to be easier to do an application of that right now, and it's safe on Bermuda. It's, you know, pre-emergence herbicide, safe on everything. Um, it's safe to go ahead and do that right now. That's just going to save you some heartache in the summertime. And I know you'll still have some of these weeds. You'll still have summer weeds for sure. No pre-emergence is 100%. Um, but it will not affect the rye or anything like that right now. Uh, you'll be safe to do it. And just use something like Clint was saying with dithiapyr is going to be the active ingredient that's going to be best, the pre-emergent on grassy weeds. And one uh, by name is bonide. You can find literally it's crabgrass and weed preventer. But you see the active ingredient is dithiapyr there. Go ahead and do an application of that in the Bermuda. Is that something you feel safe doing? Well, I do. The, my biggest worry is either the retarding or the browning of the rye too early because I have a, more of a shadier area for my Bermuda. So my rye will actually last sometime to the end of Memorial Day to wow. the 1st of June. Mm -hmm. So that's why I didn't want to retard or kill the rye too early or cause any stunting problems. The, the winter rye has really helped suffocate a lot of the weeds Good. that I generally have in the summertime, but it's that goosegrass that I just can't get a hold of, and it just takes over everything on top of the Bermuda. Yeah, it spreads like crazy. But I, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't have Bermuda, and I'm not as familiar with it. But the rye is, I mean, it's up now, right? It's green now. Uh, it, the way the weather's been here lately, I haven't generally mowed, but I usually start mowing my grass about every four to five days because I have, it almost looks like a fescue yard uh -huh. in my neighborhood. So, yeah, I'm I'm technically mowing my yard about every four or five days. And when did you put the rye down? Um, I always shoot for like the first week or second week in September to allow the root systems to get going because mm -hmm. I've also got a fescue section in my yard. Oh. So I'll blend a winter rye with a rhizome fescue to then try to help green everything else as well. The, the deer have been coming in our yard and actually eating some of the winter rye. Hmm. So we've gotten a lot of nature that's actually coming to our yard as well. Yeah. And I mean, that is such a great idea for folks who, you know, you may have that warm season grass that you just don't enjoy it being dormant in the winter months. Um, Craig, read a little bit more on Walter's website too, walterreeves.com. And he talks about that relationship, that symbiotic relationship between the rye grass and the Bermuda but as far as my understanding of the pre-emergent herbicide, which is going to prevent the grassy weed, the goose grass, that will not that will not do anything to the rye. It will have no impact on it whatsoever if applied right now, um, and it'll start to really you know help you get ahead of some of those. So look for that bonide, you know, crabgrass and weed preventer, um, and and let me know you know if you look this up on Walter's website. Let me know if you find any key things that I may be missing that are helpful to you. So I'm really glad you held on. It was good to talk to you. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Check traffic and weather. And uh, you're listening to Green and Growing on WSB.
little bit of a tropical feel, and it's going to feel tropical compared to what it's been this weekend. Highs in the mid-70s. It's going to be nice today and tomorrow, but it will be mostly cloudy. Showers are likely for some of the day on Monday, 70% chance for rain. So Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz has your complete forecast. He's in for Kirk Mellish. Coming up in less than 10 minutes, 404-872-0750. Jan in Milledgeville. Hey, welcome to the show. Good morning. Um, I was listening to the gentleman you had on as a guest uh, talking about pre-emergence, and, and I generally got some good ideas, but I just have one specific thing about our centipede, which is still dormant, and um, but there are some weeds in it. Mm-hmm. Is now, with it being dormant, the time to put pre-emergent? Is it okay to do that now, or should we wait until it's... Grow, you know, growing more. Yeah, no, now know. now is the time to put pre-emergent down in all of the lawns. It doesn't matter if the lawn's dormant or not, because what you're concerned with is those weed seeds that are about an inch down below the soil. So you're wanting okay. to get to those as they germinate. The, the pre-emergent herbicide is going to you know, combat them as they start to germinate. And we have to do it before the air temperatures get a little bit warmer. You know, I mean, all of that process will start to occur once it stays above the 50s. Um, So now is a fine time to do it. The only consideration with centipede that you have, Jan, is if y'all tend to seed, um, you know, and thicken up the centipede like in May or June, you're going to need to be careful because some of that pre-emergence herbicide may still be in the ground and it would prevent the the grass seeds from growing as much as they normally would. That pre-emergence, I believe, can stay in the soil for like 8 to 12 weeks. So, in other words, yes, we do have some areas we were going to seed. So, if I'm doing pre-emergent now, so wait until later, like May or June even, to, to seed? Is that what you're saying? Kind yeah, of? you've definitely got really any time between May and September that you can seed centipede lawns. Um, so, yeah, I would maybe wait till at least June, I would say, make sure all of that pre-emergence has completely just worn out. Um, but I would put that down now, absolutely. Like Clint said, we're kind of aiming for... Having it done by March 15th. March 15th is pushing up against the time where the soil's starting to warm up and the, the outdoor temperatures are starting to warm up a little bit. So even though the grass is dormant, doesn't matter. Still a great time to put down a pre-emergence herbicide. Thanks for the call, Jan. Always good to hear your questions and hear from you. Coming up at the bottom of the hour in just a few minutes, Pike Nurseries will be joining me with flowering spring shrubs and vines. Some good ideas. Get a pen and paper ready. It's Ashley Frasca on WSB. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. 8.36 on a Saturday morning. Thanks for catching some of the show. If you missed uh, the other two hours, we come on at 6 a.m. If you miss the 6 and 7 o'clock hours, you can go back not too long after the show's over, maybe 9.30, 10, 10.30, sometime in the morning uh, during the Home Fix-It show. You step away from the Home Fix-It show and go on wsbradio.com and click on On Demand, and you can listen back to each hour. If you liked any of the guest experts that I had on, you need to listen back to some of those interviews or you had a question that someone asked on the show that was very similar to something you're dealing with, that's a great way to go back and listen. Also, Spotify and Google Play is where you can hear Green and Growing. And I see some of you liked the Facebook page this morning. Thank you. On Facebook, search Green and Growing WSB. I'm not going to lie. A website would be fun. 
but I just don't know that I have the energy. I just don't know that I have the time. Um, there's so many social media things to keep up with and working six days a week. If, if I could hire somebody to maintain a website, that'd be pretty fantastic. But the Facebook page is oftentimes where you can find uh, pictures of things we've talked about, resources, show notes, um, in a sense, and that what, what I'm talking about on the show, the guest experts' names, where to find them, that kind of thing. And you should know by now where you can find Pike Nursery, the sponsor of the show, pikenursery.com. So with me today, she's she's a star of the show. She's on at least once a month with me, Kara Mulvey, the manager of the Holcomb Ridge location. Hey there. Hey, Ashley. How are you? Welcome back. Good to have you, Kara. So how how is this determined? Like when when I bring on, you know, each different manager, is it is it a topic that you're just an expert in or do they just say, hey, you're going to be the one talking about spring bloomers today? How does that work? Brittany asks um, a couple of the managers a month and sees what kind of topics we're passionate about. And um, as long as we're passionate about it, she wants us to talk about it. That works out really, really well, because that has been the case with all of the the different managers in the metro Atlanta area. Like you can definitely tell y'all's knowledge on the subjects and things like that. So you get to talk about fun stuff, Carolina, Jessamine and other late winter and early spring bloomers. And really thinking about, you know, how we want to enhance our landscapes and some uh, flowers and color that we could start seeing now before really all of that flush of stuff comes on in the spring and the summer. We don't have to wait. All right. Exactly. It's good to have different things um, blooming in your, your yard at different times of the year. So there's a lot of different options that you can have um, that bloom in that early spring, late winter um, that just give your garden a lot of color. And it's like the first sign of spring. I love it. So so the one we're featuring, we'll, we'll go, go down a list of a few recommendations for people. Um, but Carolina Jessamine, I will share a picture of that pretty yellow flower on the Green and Growing Facebook page for sure. But talk to us about that. This is actually one of my favorite plants. My mom had a huge one in her backyard oh. growing up, and it's just absolutely stunning. Um, it's got really dark leaves on it all year round. It's an evergreen and it blooms beautifully yellow flowers in the early springtime. And it just covers, she had an arbor that was like 10 feet long and it just was covered in yellow flowers in the spring. And I just remember growing up to that. Um, they can reach up to 20 feet, um, but they are very easily maintained, keeping them cut back to the area that you want them. They're great for arbors or trellises. Um, you do have to stake them in some way. Yeah, I've thought about that because I do have an arbor in the backyard too, and for 10 years have literally had nothing on it. And I fell in love with wisteria, but the weight of that, it's it can get yeah. so heavy and it can, you know, just become invasive to a point. And the good thing about Carolina jessamine, not only, you know, is it a vine, which I love, but it's native too. So that, it is. you know, provides that first pop of color in the spring. So good suggestion. What else do we have that we could select from at Pike Nursery? So we also have winter Daphne. This one's great. Um, you, it just smells like Fruit Loops. It's got this really, really good fragrance to it. Um, it most of the time has uh, variegated foliage to it. Um, it is evergreen. It is a little trickier to plant. Um, it doesn't want a ton of water, but it needs to be watered. It just needs really good drainage. So putting something like Soil Perfector um, below the soil is a good idea. Um, and this one does not want a lot of sun. Um, it wants tart sun or early morning sun. Um, it can have a little bit more sun in the wintertime, but you just don't want that afternoon sun in the summertime here in Georgia. And it does okay in a large container too, doesn't it? 
It does. Containers definitely keep that drainage a little bit better. You know, putting mini nuggets or something at the bottom of your pot will help it as well. Um, they do get three to four feet tall and wide, um, and they are just absolutely beautiful shrubs when they are fully established. Daphne is one of those things you can smell it before you see it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you said Fruit Loops. That's how I've not heard it described <laughs> that way, but that is a, that is a good way to describe it. Um, yes. And so for Scythia, this yellow one, my mom used to call that crazy hair because it just was <laughs> stemmy and it just kind of went everywhere. But for Scythia is a good yes. one too. It is. It's great. I mean, you see that bright yellow um, pop of color. It's like a, it's one of those indicators spring is coming and they're just absolutely beautiful. Um, I don't recommend putting like a hedge of them, but, you know, having one in your yard, um, it's a really nice like statement item, especially in the springtime. It's just, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, Depending on the variety, they get different sizes, but they do want a good amount of sun. Um, They don't want a lot of shade. Okay. And Pieris, I'm not as familiar with. How would you describe that? Pieris, um, it's a shade-loving plant. Um, they're absolutely beautiful. They have these um, drapey blooms on it, and they're little bell-shaped blooms. Mm. Um, they vary in sizes. You can get one that stays two feet tall, and then you can get some that get five to six feet tall. Wow. Um, they're just absolutely stunning. The best part about them is they start to bud um, in, you know, early winter and they bud and their buds are even almost like bloom like. And then once they fully open, they're just a stunning plant. Um, and we have a ton of them in store right now. They're one of my absolute favorites and they bloom all the way until March. So you have a good winter, um, attraction to them. And then they have a nice foliage in the, in the summertime as well. These are evergreen and they would be a nice, um, hedge plant if you do have a lot of shade. Okay, that's a good consideration. Yeah, and like you said, the size too, that's definitely something Mm -hmm. to consider. You can kind of pick what you, you know, if you have taller windows, you can get a larger variety, or if you have, you know, windows that are close to the ground, you can pick a smaller variety like Ketsura, and they're just absolutely beautiful. Okay, and now it is not too late. I think I had a call earlier in the show, my gosh, two hours, two and a half hours ago, I can't even remember. Um, It is not too late to plant trees. They still have plenty of time to establish. Now is a good time, and you all have one that's definitely very showy this time of year. Yes, so it is not too late to plant your trees. Just make sure you use a root stimulator. Um, We sell Dr. Earth Root Zone here, um, and it's a great product to use. Red buds are absolutely beautiful. They have um, a unique color to them. You know, you see a lot of pinks and yellows in the landscape this time of the year. But red buds, actually, a lot of them are purple. And it's a really pretty, like almost a royal purple. Um, My favorite are the weeping red buds. They are just, they have a stunning texture to them. To me, red buds have year-round interest. They have this diagonal looking um, bark to it um, on their branches and it's just it's an absolutely stunning tree and then when they are done blooming the leaf out and they have heart-shaped leaves on them and those heart-shaped leaves all through the uh, summertime give you a lot of interest and there are some varieties that in the fall they'll turn like a deeper purple to them as well and that's like the merlot um, and I think the forest pansy does that as well. Yeah, certainly my my eastern red bud it is. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the leaf, the way it morphs from green and changes color in the fall, it's stunning. But my favorite thing about the eastern red bud too, Kara, is like the, <laughs> the little flowers, the little buds are along the limbs. 
they're not at, yeah. at the leaf tips or anything like that. Like they're along the, the, the branches, which is so rare. That's so strange to see, but that's how you can certainly identify one. Yeah. And I mean, they just are covered in blooms in the spring. Um, so they're definitely a year round interest tree. So um, one last note to, to leave folks on, if they're in love with the nursery, they like being outside, they, they love plants and know a lot about them, y'all are expanding your family. We are. We are hiring right now. We are looking for, um, at all Pike Nurseries, we have um, 15 different stores in the, uh, in the Atlanta region. Um, we have some in Peachtree City, Swanee, Woodstock. Um, I'm over here at Holcomb Bridge. Um, we have some in the downtown Atlanta area. Uh, we are all looking for people to join our team. So that's great. Go to pikenursery.com and apply online. And and I had to ask you off the air, Kara, if you're old-fashioned like me, I'm not looking for a job. But I loved going in and like actually getting the application in the store. And there are advantages to that, too, right? You don't have to go online. Yes, you don't have to go online. We do have applications in store. You can meet a manager face-to-face. Um, our assistant managers are, are hiring managers. Uh, and, you know, it's good to put a face with an application so we can give you a call back to bring you in for an interview. That's and exciting. It's a great company to work for. We are an employee-owned company. Um, we are flexible with college students and things like and in high school as well. That's when I started. Um, there's great growth in the company. You can start as a cashier and work your way up or a loader. Um, if you don't have that plant knowledge or if you do have a lot of plant knowledge, you know, you can come in and, you know, apply for a sales position. We're always looking for great salespeople um, who want to work with our customers and make our customers' yards beautiful. And y'all educate your employees, too. But I can hear a lot of parents mm-hmm. right now, like, quickly writing all of this down, <laughs> pen to paper, because they're like, oh, my high yeah. school student's going to need a spring and summer job. And this is a this is a great one. If you love being outside, oh, my gosh, it's so fun. It was. Um, I mean, I started in high school and it was one of my it was a great job and I just grew with the company um, and I really had a lot of fun. Love to see that. I mean, personal growth and career growth is so important like that. Well, Kara, you're always a great contribution to the show. Uh, The manager at the Holcomb Bridge location. How can folks find other store locations? Uh, If you go on our website at pikenursery.com, you can see all of our store locations and hours and um, you can ask also order online if you are interested in any of these plants today we have them all on our website yep that's really easy shop there and go pick it up curbside or have it delivered for a little bit of a fee Kara, thank you so much have a great weekend in the store yes you too thank you thanks i know there's going to be an influx of people going to pikenursery.com what a fun job all right we just have a one minute Catherine in atlanta calling with a tip hey Catherine. good morning good morning ashley and i'll be as fast as i can oh you're fine Well, I've been gardening for many, many years. I'm a senior citizen, and I have found out that the hole makes the difference, Mm. just like building your house. So I want to give you my tip. I've never lost a plant. Okay, So here's what I do. You have to have a wheelbarrow or a piece of plastic because we all know that the ground is going to eat our dirt. So you dig your hole, and the first half of it you put in the, the wheelbarrow or on the plastic. And then, the, and then you're down to clay. Well, when you get down to the clay, the second half I just use as fill dirt somewhere else. Uh-huh. Then I pour about two or three inches of soil in the bottom of the hole, which is usually solid clay. I take a long spading shovel, 
and I'd push it down five or six inches and wiggle it. And when you pull it back out, the sand fills those holes. So it provides drainage. And also, if you have a plant like lantana or the August beauties that I just dug up that have huge roots, that gives them more room. So that's the second tip. Then when I backfill, I use seasoned wood chips or mushroom compost, a little bit of blood meal, a little bit of bone meal, backfill in, and mulch well. And the year that we had, that it went down to five or six degrees, I had a yard full of lantanas, and I did not lose one single lantana. So is this, some of those tips, Catherine, are they for establishing new plants, or you've even been successful this way transplanting things? Well, this past week, I dug up three August Beauty gardenias, Ah. which are huge. The soil in the hole, this is the first time I've actually done this, the Uh soil in the holes were incredibly soft and moist and porous, almost exactly like it was when I when I planted them. They came up easy as pie, no root damage. Ooh, I moved them to another hole exactly the same way. So I believe it has to be the hole. Yeah, what Catherine says, it is. The hole makes all the difference, like the foundation for your home. And when you're going to transplant something, folks, too, go ahead and have the new hole already dug. You don't want to keep that plant or that shrub out of the the ground for too long. So go ahead and already have the new one dug. That way you can just pop it out, go ahead and put it in there. That's great advice, Catherine. And I'm glad you called to share that too, because I had Kevin from Noonan, I believe, call earlier about transplanting gardenias. And I told him, yep, go ahead and do it. All right, we're going to take a break and then we'll be back very quickly to Green and Growing on WSB. Oh my gosh, three hours goes by so quickly. So Evelyn and Noonan wanting to know when to fertilize your hydrangeas when they're in active growth. So like panicle hydrangeas, we're cutting back right now, no need to. Um, but endless summer, those that start as soon as they start to leaf out, go ahead and do a light fertilizer. And Candy in Cartersville, I'm sorry I missed you, need to kill Ivy. Um, they're most susceptible, Ivies are most susceptible to chemical controls like in the fall. Um, manual removal is where I would start. But you can also use the assistance of like a bio-advanced brush killer. That's going to help some, but it's not going to eradicate it all together. So you really have to stay after ivy because I know it can go crazy just when you walk by it. If it's going up the trees, snip it, let some of it die, pull the the dead part down off the trees when it starts to die. Um, It's been a great show. Find me on Facebook, Green and Growing WSB. I really appreciate all the experts, all of your calls, and I will be back Monday morning with Triple Team Traffic during Atlanta's Morning News. Have a great weekend. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.